Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. same actor you yeah, know i know i know okay. <laughs> she dyed her hair blonde in the first oh yes for nurse oh. chapel yes Original oh yeah. series yeah, yeah that's true you're welcome <laughs> i have those deep there was, there was deep lore the whole facts. yeah that that whole thing of like it was gene roddenberry's wife who was cast as number one in the pilot and they as a brunette and they're like we don't want that lead female character so she dyed her hair blonde and cast her as the nurse and they never questioned it <laughs> women aren't leads don't you understand they're more comfortable in the kitchen and child rearing i was like i was i was torn between figuring out if it was like a, a sexism thing or even just the nepotism thing of roddenberry trying to shoehorn in his wife to be the lead in his show Probably both, honestly. Maybe a little How bit of both. How else are women going to get ahead aside from sleeping their way there? Huh, Jake? It's how we got our first female vice president. Okay. Oh, wow. It's a joke. It's not true. It's bullshit. But that is what Facebook will do to the world. <laughs> what? You just started a rumor on this podcast and said, this is what Facebook's doing. No, there's a whole there's a whole story. It's I was terrified you were going to say, that's how we started this podcast. I was like, I didn't sleep with anybody to start this podcast. Did you? Uh, no, bad news. Uh, Kamala Harris's <laughs> ex Xander, no. has held her back. Oh, yeah, Xander did sleep his way into this podcast. Yeah. Um, who do you sleep with? Oshi? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Wait, no, no, that does matter. That no, does matter. not the dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I make out with him every day. Should we start this episode over? This got or? weird. Yeah, I wish we could go back in time and start this episode and make some decisions that are different. Yeah. Kill the past version of us that made these weird jokes. <laughs> Star Trek, the nerdy frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Things that women politicians have to like push through to get like half as far as men do is insane. Preach feminist. <laughs> the wormholes that captains have to travel through just to go back in time and save their ship, though, is also insane. Oh mm -hmm. my god, tell me about That's it. That's right. What it's does a captain have to do? Time squared. <laughs> Where the Enterprise <laughs> discovers a duplicate of Picard from six hours in the future. Oh, no, wait. I thought it was they go back to New York. And uh, what did I watch? Xander, you weren't here when <laughs> Becca asked me this exact same thing. But she said, I thought this was going to be like a Times Squares episode. Times Square uh -huh. episode. Well, there's a future episode pitch for you. No, this one is a whole new set. We have a shuttlecraft bay that is ginormous, oh. a beautiful soundstage. And then the, the sick bay looks completely different as well. A whole new carpeted walls. Hold on. Oh, I, think you're, this is I didn't an alternate, notice. Becca. Th this is the, we've had the shuttle bay before, and I don't think the, is the medical, is the sick bay, is the sick bay different? Call back, you're gaslighting me. <laughs> Not, no, yeah, no, no, no. It's totally I, uh, different. Is it? I, I didn't notice. I didn't notice that either. 
But maybe you're seeing it from a different perspective. So a I, I don't know. We've never seen Shuttle no. Bay two before. Can we agree on this timeline? Uh, I mean, we've seen uh, we see uh, Shuttle, Shuttle Bay, Bay, which is just the same Shuttle Bay with different numbers on the wall. But yeah, we have. But I think this one may have gotten more detailed because you saw the thing on the floor that said like "Stand back from the tractor." Do you beam. remember Code of Honor when um the uh. That alien like community, the back of my hand. Yeah, well, the alien community came up and like they were like getting staged with all their animals and stuff inside like a shuttle bay or a cargo bay. It was just full of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was like that containment unit when they had the alien virus on that was the containment was degrading. And that was in like a shuttle blade, too. Right. Maybe we haven't seen it empty. Mm. We haven't seen this set empty before. It. And it really I thought it was a whole new room. Maybe it's gotcha. like their engineering room because they did have a room that big before. It just mm. really sent me for a time a loop. loop you know? yeah, good, good. <laughs> loop. Well, so let's let's set this up. The Enterprise is out for a cruise, and they. Oh my gosh! Wait a minute. What does no, this no, episode? No, no, no! Cold open. What? How? What is this scene? What is going Listen, on? Listen, if I were on a starship, <laughs> I would make people eat my weird cooking all the time. I'm just telling you. There's all, there's free time. Of all the dishes to have a personal flair. Omelets? <laughs> this is something the the replicator can't do. Is an omelet like it's one of the? It tastes replicated, you know. <laughs> yeah, the replicator can't put peppers and onions in it. Like, what is Riker doing that the replicator can't do? Like, of all the well, things, maybe they've realized that eggs are an inefficient use of water because fifty three gallons of water are used to produce one egg. That's what I heard on a different podcast advertising. But that's true if you grow the chicken, feed the chicken, and have the chicken produce the egg. But when you can replicate it, it's not like it doesn't have to use 54 gallons of replicated water. Although, if that's how the technology evolved, that'd be pretty hilarious. Yeah. yeah but what came first, the chicken or the replicator? A chicken <laughs> well, came before the replicator, I think we can safely. What came first, the replicator or the egg? That's that still hasn't been decided, much like the theorem from last episode. Mm. Well, and then wasn't it that there were specific eggs that they had gotten somewhere? I didn't write it down, but it was like they were like, "Where'd you get this egg?" And he was like, "It was from something, oh. right?" The farmers market on Omicron Percy I ate on chicken oh. Percy I ate. I don't know. I didn't hear that part. I heard that. I heard that uh, Pulaski brought some really fancy ale. Which, of course, you always yeah. put pear ale with an omelet, right? Right. <laughs> I just, this yeah, scene it's was... called the morning cake. <laughs> <laughs> this scene was like, what is going on? I understand they want to show that, like, there's a human touch to not to living on this ship. But having a bunch of people eat omelets and have Data, like, look around. Also, does Data have a digestive tract? Yes. Of course he does. So, so yes. does he break down the food? Yes. And, it and is, then it, the calories become energy? Energy source. Look, I had a Barbie that did that. You had you like had a baby, a Barbie doll, a baby doll that would eat food and poop it out. Yeah, or not poop yeah. it out. Because that's the thing. Poop does he out. does he have an end to his digestive tract, or does he just convert all things to energy? Here on Taboli Watch, we ask the important questions. <laughs> I does don't Data know. take shits? <laughs> does she? yeah. That's where the off button is. <laughs> um. <laughs> if you could, what just doll did you have, Becca? Button. I'm so curious. This doll ate things. Baby born. I don't know. There was all these lifelike babies. This uh, idea like of in? replicating play for children so that it just exactly recreates creates normal life. And they don't need to use their imagination <laughs> they still to have make to their doll their shit. Their doll can actually shit. It's not a real baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, but for this, I think the gag is that Riker messed it up because it tastes bad. Everybody looks at each other because it tastes bad, but Worf is scarfing it up, and Worf is the one that says it's delicious because okay, it's a Klingon. sure, Klingon food. Sure. Great use of our time in a time travel episode. It's like okay, here was my thought: is like if we're going on a time loop, let's have them sit through this a couple times, or like maybe it gets better, maybe yeah. because of the actions of Picard. I don't know. Like that was so disconnected from everything. And we never return to it <laughs> once. Sometimes I feel like the cold opens are like that, though. They're kind of like a glimpse into the ship uh, outside of the yeah. episode. Because all of the episodes are very, like, the plot starts going and then it's full steam ahead or A and B plot, whatever. But with these, you get, like, a kind of glimpse into the That's everyday true. life. Like when uh, Picard was fencing with that other officer the first time before right. an episode that had nothing to do with fencing. I, I, I get that, I, for sure. This just also just seemed to have nothing to it. Well, we yeah. learned a little bit about Riker growing up without his mom. That's and true. him and his dad were on their own, and it made me very sad that his eggs weren't good. I feel like story-wise, it would have been better if they'd been good, but it's not really a button to a scene. Yeah, and it wasn't. Mm. Unless you have Data saying, oh, wait, I don't have a digestive system. <laughs> Go to the shit. Let me shit. <laughs> it's, not only, it's not only not a button to a scene, it's not a reason to have a scene. <laughs> it might be exactly now that you bring that up, Becca. It might be to flesh out Riker a bit more for some backstory, and that was just the way they shoehorned it in. Yeah, but in my mind, he's a, he's a perfect male specimen, and therefore him not being able to make good eggs is a right. real letdown. So the priority that in the is. writers room, in the writers room, was to be like, we need to get a little bit of Riker backstory. What's our vehicle? How about omelets? what else do you have? <laughs> You could have a fight, I guess. Well, as much as or, I could talk about omelets for all episodes, uh, we should probably yeah. get to the point <laughs> of this episode. Which, when I wrote an email to both of you telling you what episodes we were going to record today, I wrote in parentheses, I remember this being a good one. And I do re distinctly mm. remember this episode from my childhood because I remember like Picard having to deal with another Picard and one of them mm -hmm. having like a mission that he couldn't quite explain to the other in full. And that happens, but it happens in the last four minutes of the episode. Like, we have a time paradox. As many episodes do. I know. I, yeah. I wanted to live in this time paradox a few times over and over and have different options, right? But we just, we kind of sit wondering what's going on for like a good 45 minutes. Yeah, but I really liked that. Uh, normally, no, it's inactive. But this episode, especially the middle of it, was particularly intriguing to me. I felt like the questions being posed were really interesting ones and the suspense felt very real and the stakes felt very real. I was disappointed in the end not having a complete com conclusion for what exactly this time hole was. Mm -hmm. We never meet it even though it's referred to as an entity with a consciousness. Right. Yeah, we never find out a why. Yeah, but I mean, the, the first note that I have is just Patrick Stewart is so good because it's so believable. You know what was crazy to me? Yeah, I but was that like, other guy was terrible at acting. <laughs> the other guy. I, didn't know. <laughs> I, I also wrote the same thing, Xander. I wrote, I want to see Patrick Stewart acting against Patrick Stewart more. more. Like those generally when you film scenes with with one actor doing it against themselves on a green screen and the timing feels always like a little off. That was pretty flawless it was in this great. episode. It was really good. I forgot that was the same actor and I have no such notes. <laughs> well, I mean, this could also be an era where that is very costly to produce. So they could only do a little bit where it's him side by side with himself, whereas it's easier to shoot, you know, one shot, one shot. But it's hard. It's easier to do that if one character is unconscious. Yeah. Then yeah. It's just reaction. You have to do this very difficult process of not moving the tripod and then not right. passing your own frame. Oh, oh, the, the shot in the corridor where 
he's walking with himself. That must have been very difficult to choreograph because you have yeah. to match your own pace. What mm-hmm. is that? That's bananas. Incredible. And do cross dialogue. Now, I know they're like kind of snippets at each other, but still, that was very impressive. Yeah. That's true. It was pretty awesome. Hey, I had this vision. What if they kept doing the loop over and over, and each time they opened up the shuttle, there were more Picards? More Picards. In it, so it was like a <laughs> clown car full of so many Picards, and they're like, wait, I figured it out this time. That's a very <laughs> Rick and Morty version of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I was kind of like I wanted to see uh, yeah I wanted to see something like that though Becca of like I want to see later in the episode us waking up from Picard's perspective and everybody trying to talk to him but they can't he can't fully understand because he's still in the quote-unquote time warp right uh Mm -hmm. like I want to see the struggle that the other guy goes through as opposed to us all just sitting here wondering what this grimacing man has in his brain yeah he's just incoherent until his internal time clock readjusts to where he should be which is an interesting concept that we're, we're also tied to this internal circadian rhythm mm-hmm. it's something for, in sci-fi in general when you have to deal with time shenanigans you have to set the rules and like for instance one of them in doctor who is like there's this set timeline and that certain events have to hit at certain times and that's the same thing that we're seeing here of like, this is a set event and we have to hit this at a certain time or else the loop will continue, which is why I, I didn't mind so much that we didn't sp- go over and over again, because I felt like this was the last time in a series of loops. We just didn't see the previous ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I love um, time as a concept and determinism which which this is is uh the one timeline theory that you cannot break it it's all connected versus like a branching off of paths and all these things do exist in different universes the other option that's the thing they broke it yeah i don't i I guess that's the thing that always kind of bothers me about the unbreakable loop in a in a um story is that the loop gets broken therefore is not unbreakable and there's it's well this is a non-deterministic view of time Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Is and, there well, a catalyst? Can you explain what that means? Deterministic means anything that you see in the future that's going to happen has to happen. There's only one timeline. We essentially have no free will, which is super cool and terrifying. <laughs> but terrifying. also, I don't have any control over the next thing I'm going to say or whether I stumble over my words because there's only one timeline. So I don't need to worry about it. It is what it is. Because the that's determinism. The conditions of which uh, you would be bombarded by to make what you were going to say in a second uh, is going to cue you to do that anyway. And same like me responding yeah. to what you did, right? Yeah. And just look, just picture a straight line. If I time travel backward, then um, when I was going through the first time, I could have seen myself there. Because mm-hmm. I exist in that point in time twice. That's where the change comes in. Because knowing is the catalyst of change in this time loop. The knowledge is the the difference that breaks the loop. Because once you can be observed or observe the timeline, then it becomes something that so you can change. So by Picard like seeing himself and realizing what was mm-hmm. going on, he became aware of the loop itself. The last Picard. Yeah. If you're interested in this, let me shout out a Hulu series, which I have mentioned before, called Devs. It is incredible. I think it's only eight episodes, and it deals with this exact idea. Oh, cool. Devs is super fun. Highly recommend. Yeah. But then there's also the other view of time travel, which is the Rick and Morty view, which is there is no one timeline because... Anything that happens creates an entirely new universe where the thing happened and it didn't happen, which I think is probably closer to 
what actually exists because of that quantum theory experiment where um, the One particle the both goes through the hole and doesn't go through the hole that mm -hmm. we've talked about before. Depends if it's being mm -hmm. observed, mm -hmm. right? Yes, right. Exactly. Well, that's Schrodinger's. Yeah, Schrodinger's hole. Schrodinger's oh, hole. <laughs> no, not Schrodinger's the double slit hole. experiment. <laughs> and Schrodinger's hole. Mm -hmm. You know who suddenly became a uh, time space scientist in this episode was Worf. In the conference room, he was the one mm -hmm. who dropped the Mobius strip reference. I was like, last right. episode, this guy was shoving through a wall, and now he's talking about <laughs> trying to particle <laughs> physics. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Some of the some of it felt a little bit off. Some of the characterizations were just a little weird. And then, like we talked about, how good Patrick Stewart was. I feel like they were looking for reactions or something from Pulaski, but instead they just kept cutting to a shot of her, and it was constant. And I'm like, why are we? What is? She's not really making a face. Well, the two rooms we keep going back to are what's happening on the ship and then back to sick bay which i just mm -hmm. realized they should really call it med bay not sick bay we should have health care not sick care in the world anyway oh, wow. um <laughs> uh, and you know i noticed for the first time that pulaski has beautiful piercing blue eyes what and then she's gorgeous and then she almost undermined the captain and said he is not coherent enough because there's two versions of him and it's making him very unstable i might have to undermine him and declare him unfit to rule the ship and she lost everything her eyes turned <laughs> ugly to me in a second well here's the thing that felt like a little bit of Chekhov's regulation drop because I was waiting for that to come into play at the end and it never does no I think Picard's like uh, I'm gonna walk off the ship and Riker's like what he's like bye <laughs> like and then he kills a guy and she's just <laughs> like oh we'll do what he says no, yeah. but she walks into the the shuttle bay and she scans the other Picard to see if he's dead and she doesn't say anything and she walks out. So basically she was like, oh, dude, you're a murderer and this is on me and I don't even know what to say. Goodbye. Also, O'Brien's there. O'Brien's there. <laughs> is this a fever dream? I think he has is. to watch it disappear. Yeah, we need someone there to yeah. ban the station but like as xander has mentioned before with crusher like the chief medical officer is the one person who can subvert the captain uh well i guess the the commander could always belay orders or like relieve him of command but it's the it's the chief medical officer which can like make a determination about what is truly safe for the captain and the crew fit for command yeah fit for command yeah so like uh, she's the one person who gets to do that and i think they want to do that to kind of raise the stakes of like hey if he goes off the reservation we have to be careful and then he still goes off the reservation <laughs> he's mm -hmm. like no security in this place i'm going down there by my with, with myself not by myself with myself <laughs> with yeah, myself. yeah, yeah. <laughs> by myself with myself <laughs> so let's talk about the anomalies which are mm. the Picard from the future in six hours is um not exactly himself we find him unconscious but he just looks like he's stuck in a very angry face <laughs> and he we talked about how his internal clock is off and all of his like pulses and life signs are off slightly but also the shuttlecraft he came back in is off and they can't turn the power on or the reserve power until Jordy does something where he i don't know gets a USB-C cord instead of a usb cord <laughs> And That's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this shouldn't work. Turn it to negative power, and it works. Yeah. It's very specifically opposite, right? It's like, do not do the other thing we're supposed to do. Like, instead of positive 2%, negative 2%. And I don't know why that's true about coming back from time, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, there are probably a lot of different theories about it, but but I wanted to mention about the shuttlecraft that that's how we find this Picard because that's pretty important. It really messes with our Picard's mental state that faced in some sort of crisis, he would abandon ship instead of go down with the Enterprise. Well, Worf knows that's not true. (laughs) Right. Because he's not that kind of captain. Right. But what's beautiful... Spoilers right away. What we find is that the reason he wanted to leave the ship was to sacrifice himself. When it seemed that this weird wormhole that wasn't there and then appeared out of nowhere started sucking the ship downward, for lack of a better directional space. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Out of nowhere, no explanation, just is messing with them and then is specifically sending bolts of blue lightning at Picard through the ship. And he thinks, okay, it wants me. I'll go out there and give it me as a sacrificial gesture, which is beautiful. And not the right thing to do. No. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what we could have honed in on more earlier on. If, like, he could have figured that out in some way. And therefore, he has to mm-hmm. deal with the torture of, like, thinking he's, th- he's saving himself. But actually, in truth, he's saving the ship. Oh, we forgot to mention that they do see a replay on the log from the shuttle that the right. Enterprise is destroyed. Yeah, it just gets uh, sideswiped by this wormhole and explodes. <laughs> and Picard's the only important one left. That it went through the rainbow filter though too, so we had to, <laughs> to see it all in a rainbow lens. <laughs> v important. V V. Like I just wanted more of the I wanted more of the the problems of the time shenanigans as opposed mm. to the mystery of it because we got we we understand we don't understand okay i don't need to know that we don't understand for 30 minutes i'd like to like deal with with the repercussions of it right i'm gonna make another mm-hmm. movie recommendation which i doubt either of you have seen this one this is probably about 10 years old now there's a movie called time crimes you ever seen time crimes no it's a spanish film um it's called Minority <laughs> oh, Report. Oh, I've seen it. No, <laughs> Time Crimes is great, and I'm I've seen. This. I'm not going to tell you anything. I think about I've seen it. every time travel it's, movie. Okay. It's so it's weird. So, what a weird recommendation! I love Jake. this movie. It's a super good time I'm travel shenanigan movie, and it kind of deals with what we're dealing with in this episode too. It's okay. a movie that's going to make you say, "What the? F- <laughs> I what? love those movies. Why? Yeah. So Check many times. Check it out. But that's a deterministic mm-hmm. timeline. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm, for mm. sure. We've watched every time travel movie possible in this house. Really? <laughs> I'm glad we're all time travel fans here. And I know we're going to get more of these in Star Trek, but like, I feel like this one, that's, that's why when I wrote you guys the email, I was like, I remember this one being good. And then when I watched it, I was kind of disappointed. And I don't know if that's because I raised my own expectations with that email. But like, I felt like we just didn't get a play as much as we just set it up and then resolved it, especially the ending. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's this thing that we keep coming back to of no B plot line. And mm-hmm. a lot of the episode was inactive. But also, I thought that the the tension when we start to figure out and it starts stops just being a question mark. Basically, as soon as the tornado waterfall cloud appears, then we really feel Picard's inner, inner drama of, okay, I know whatever I did that was my first instinct is not the right instinct, but what do I do? What mm-hmm. would I have done? Did I know then that I was trying to avoid making the same choice that didn't work? And we're sitting there and it's like, well, what do you do? Do you try and run away or do you stay still? Mm-hmm. Well, you probably would stay still and want to investigate. So run. Okay, wait, that doesn't work. So stop. Right. Becca, what you're talking about is what I want to see. That's exactly the most interesting point. Like, uh, take like Back to the Future 2. One of the most memorable scenes from that is when they're in Doc Brown's like um, 
like condemned garage and he pulls the chalkboard <laughs> over he's like this is what's going on and he shows the alternate timeline he's like this is where everything went wrong and he he lays it out for him about like how to change the past like i kind of wanted to go through those motions that's not even an action scene okay like, can we clarify that back to the future is the worst interpretation great movies worst interpretation of time travel because sure. <laughs> in that it's like diagramming a sentence where instead of either one timeline or a million timelines well infinite timelines there's just like oh this one took path two and there's but it's just the rick and morty scenario two. no but it's choose your own rick and morty scenario that you mentioned earlier it's an alternate timeline it they created by giving biff the almanac they created an alternate timeline that they went to a new universe okay but uh if you were to choose a different timeline would you slowly start disappearing oh, well, a little yeah. <laughs> bit as things got of course of course yeah no i'm not dimension. saying the movie's perfect but like that's a popularized <laughs> version of a time travel movie that still has the same principle rules. But yeah, I get you're right. The fading thing yeah. is a little silly. But maybe that's them fading to their other dimension where their timeline is correct, right? Because Picard, the new Picard comes back and his brain isn't in the right spot. Well, maybe in the Back to the Future uh, interpretation is that they physically can't be in the same timeline, right? Well, and he does vanish. He does. Oh, that's a good the point. Same way that's a really good they point. They do in Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but I think also this is a real challenge for the writers to present time shenanigans stuff because you have the Star Trek audience, which comes with a certain understanding of time travel balanced with the everyday audience that's just ch tuning in for like primetime TV. So there's this weird balance that they have to strike of dumbing it down enough for people to catch on to the story, but not enough that there's not a, a, a puzzle to solve as an audience member. So the pacing of it, I feel like, might be a little bit off because if we were in real time watching this on a TV and maybe talking about our theories and try to get, uh, you know, solve it before the characters do, there might be something to that as well. Right. That, that I like that much more. <laughs> I do like I just want I want more options here yeah well, yeah let's talk about more what we do know about this tornado cloud Deanna Troy is the first one to say it has some sort of consciousness but it's instinct not thought and then when they are stuck in it trying to move out with warp and then don't move because it seems like it does the thing doesn't want them to move they send out a probe the probe is immediately obliterated which <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around what this cloud wants because if curiosity is its intention why would it destroy the probe why wouldn't it just destroy the ship if that was its end goal um and ultimately you know we're all like a rag in a dog's mouth <laughs> yeah <laughs> catch <gasps> so who does this remind you of q that q. that that baby face floating in the sky you know what i mean <laughs> right. yeah him too him the too. one Other that was q. gonna um thanos half of their ship's population out of existence to study right. death a, a poor man's q is what we call that guy. yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, this this reminds me of Q, and, and guess what? The original the original version of this was a Q uh, lead-in. So oh. they originally uh, the I think the original script uh, was going to lead into a future episode. I think they were going to leave it kind of somewhat unexplained, and then in a future Q episode, Picard would find himself in a shuttlecraft going through the vortex, and he'd realize that he was trapped in what had happened in previous episodes. That would have been good. Mm -hmm. But cool. uh, Roddenberry nixed it. Okay. And so it kind of it kind of made the ending not make sense. And like even the writer of this episode was like, so you just 
end it by flying into the center of the vortex. It doesn't make sense unless Q is pulling the strings, is what he says. Mm. So I kind of uh, that kind of makes more sense now. Additionally, there, there was no real resolution at the end. No, I was mad that they didn't bring up Q in like a conference room, and I was like, why is nobody talking about this being Q? And they brought up the traveler, and they brought right. up um, uh, Mannheim, right? So like they brought right, up the right. people who had a lot of experiments, and they had reference for all these weird, uh, I guess, shenanigans, quote unquote. In the greater TNG universe characters, mm-hmm. but they didn't go down the Q uh, route, which I feel like whenever anything happens, everybody needs to be like, okay, wait, first Q. off, is this a Q scenario? Yeah, yeah. Are we being cued right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a really great line as Picard tries to run away from with warp speed in the bridge and then he realizes he needs to go get the other Picard now and let the other Picard do what he wants to do. And he says as he's leaving the bridge, we may be on a road that has no turns. And I think oh. that's a wonderful line if you believe in a deterministic universe. Yeah. yeah. A, a freeway with no off-ramp? Amen. <laughs> uh, I also just noticed uh, on the Memory Alpha entry for this episode that there was originally in the first draft a closing scene which uh, calls back the omelets. Because as Xander, oh, as Xander mentioned, God. everybody disliked the omelets except for Worf who was wolfing them down, right? Uh-huh. Well, in Worfing this other down. scene, uh, Riker invites Pulaski, LaForge, and Worf back to his quarters to make up for his omelet fiasco from the teaser and fixes them Alaska stew, which agrees with LaForge and Pulaski, but discuss Worf, who would have preferred another omelet. That's fun. It's okay. okay What's so Alaska still stew? completely a non sequitur for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So then I click on the link for Alaska stew because, of course, Memory Alpha has its own entry for it. <laughs> Alaska t- stew was a type of stew from Earth region, Alaska. In 2365, uh, Riker cooked the stew for Worf, Pulaski, Geordi, and LaForge. Um, the, the computer had to fabricate the ingredients, with inclu- which included potatoes, onions, flour, and meat. An authentic Alaska stew had moose as its meat. However, Riker could not find the specific molecular pattern for moose meat. The meat fabricated, which was close to mo- moose meat in Riker's opinion, was somewhat between the version uh, venison from a musk ox and Kobe beef. What? What? Where is this information Pulaski coming said from? That the stew smelled better than the Owan omelets Riker cooked earlier, and LaForge would like the stew. Wolf, Worf appreciated the effort, however, he preferred the omelets. I think someone got a hold of an early draft and probably transcribed mm. that idea. Mmm. Because if it never happened in an episode, like, okay. <laughs> you know, you know how memory alpha is, is like sure. they found every scrap of paper that came out of the yeah. production in a dumpster and they're like, this is gospel. Yeah, yep, yep, absolutely. It is now canon. Well, I do want to talk a little bit more about this, like, sort of dead man walking scene as Picard follows Picard down the hallway. And the Picard from the future doesn't really recognize our Picard. And he's asking him, what was your other choice? And I I guess sort of the uh, must go forward for the cycle to end moral is go with the flow, you know? Just like, <laughs> if they hadn't resisted any of this, then there never would have been a problem. It was the the instinct to resist. But wasn't it Picard's action resisting the continuation of the timeline that stopped it? Uh, my brain just exploded. Uh, but <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> what if I just end the episode right there? Okay, cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> now we get to talk about Alaska Stew. And this is the <laughs> what do you think of him killing himself? Is it murder? Is it morally corrupt for him to have vaporized his other self? I think it's such a good story idea to have him do it, but it's so weird to have him make the choice within about a 15-second span. Like, especially when you have such a great actor like Patrick Stewart, it's like, let's have him realize this sooner and have us go mm. through the tortured moment of him deciding that he's going to end another timeline's existence. And n not only that, his own existence in another timeline. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it could just be that it was just a little too heavy for what they were going for. It was already a pretty heavy thing to, to deal with. I mean, how is it what's, – what's not heavy about it? He still shoots him. He still shoots him in vapor. Like, no, that's true. Away. It's still heavy, yeah. right? Yeah, and it seems he wouldn't have needed to because he would have disappeared. Right. He could have knocked him out. And I guess but, we don't know for a fact that he's dead, but if he was just unconscious with when Pulaski scanned him, then she would have taken him to sickbay again. <laughs> then we'd have to watch this episode again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Make the time loop stop. Yeah, it's just like if we <laughs> have like Alaska a borderline stew. Groundhog's Day slash, you know, Palm Springs mm. kind of plot, like I kind of want to like live in it just for a second. And I get like I, I appreciate what you said, Becca, that you loved the mystery of it. Like you were still kind of getting intrigued with them deciphering it. So that, that makes me feel uh, better about my recommendation for it. But I still feel like they could have delivered a little bit more on uh, moving it forward, uh, I guess, as much as you can in a time loop. Look, I agree. We've encountered this a lot. And usually it comes down to budget <laughs> yeah 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 well something got cut <laughs> yeah and uh and the fact that they can only they can only redo it so many times whether they're just hitting the same the same ground and also it probably could, i don't know if a b plot would have worked but if like the b plot was the different omelet scenarios i guess i can go without it that's probably that's fine. enough of a b plot for me i will take it i would like an omelet omelet through line <laughs> Uh, well, uh, that's it for Times Squared. Next week, we are visiting the Icarus Factor, where Riker Ooh. is offered command of the starship Ares, but the man sent to brief him on the mission is his estranged father. Dun-dun-dun! That's why we had the omelet thing! Oh, Riker daddy! Oh, I bet he's a daddy. I have a quick question about this. Didn't you say in the last episode that his mother abandoned him and he was alone with his father? I thought you guys had mentioned something about that's that. That's what it was. Yeah. Because so, that's how he learned how to cook the omelet. Oh, yeah, so why is he a long-lost father? He's an estranged father. He's Maybe strange. he's estranged after he taught him how to cook the omelet. Like, he was like, okay, you got the omelets, kid. See you never. <laughs> you got it. That's <laughs> all I can much do. A boy named Sue scenario. Yeah. A boy named Will. You got your omelets. That's all I got for you. Well, I I I think we should. The way to end this, there, there's no turns on this road, Becca. Make it so. Engage. <laughs> you took a turn. We gotta stop. We can't do this podcast anymore. It's done. This was all determined in advance. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.